Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer requests, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning at 5.45 a.m., Monday through Friday at noon. Please join us. Prayer, prayer is the language of God. Prayer is communicating with God, all right? So today, part two, really, I'm continuing what I began on Wednesday night, and I'm, I'm just calling it part two. It's still under the, under the covering, or yes or no. It's your choice, you know, a series on boundaries. But today's message is Jesus and His boundaries, this excites me because when you study the life of Jesus, you see that he has so much that we can emulate, so much that we can imitate, so much that we can copy and try to do like he did to the best of our ability. Jesus had lots of boundaries that he drew. And he taught boundaries, but much of the boundaries he taught was by the example he gave us. So Jesus and his boundaries, part two, this morning. Let's go to Matthew 14, 23, if you would, please. Matthew 14, 23. Check this out. This says after sending them home, but he sent the multitude home. This is after he'd been spending time with a big multitude. He went up into the hills by who? By himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. So let me say that again. He sent the crowd home. He went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. I believe Jesus teaches us and Jesus taught us through the Gospels that we need alone time. Now, I am an extrovert. Some of you are like life of the party and you perform and you have fun and you're outgoing and, and that's great. You're an extrovert. Others are introverts. And I think us extroverts can learn a lesson from introverts, and that is we need alone time. Jesus taught it. He did it over and over again in the Gospels. He taught alone time. Some of you say, man, I'm married. I have kids. You have to figure that out. I know that. My wife and I have a great marriage, but we make sure that we have alone time as well. It makes us better for each other, makes us better for you and for the kingdom of God and for other people when we have time alone. One man years ago called it sharpening the sword. Spending time alone to recharge, reset, decompress, pray, hear from God, put your phone away, stop trying to watch Netflix, right? You're never going to get through all of that anyway. There's 10 million movies on there, right? Have some time alone. I mean, for heaven's sake, I prepared this message alone like I usually do. There's been times where I've spent time near someone and I was taking notes, but preparing a message most of the time, probably 99% of the time, I am alone. Why? So I can hear from God and I can give, give you God's best for you that he has given me. Things that he has spoken to me, I want to communicate them to you effectively. And I need to be able to turn off all the distractions. I don't just prepare for today on Saturday mornings into the afternoon. I prepare for Sundays and Wednesdays every day of my life. Even when I'm on vacation, God will remind me of things. And I will, I'll get out my phone and put in notes. And God's speaking to me. But having said all that, even if it's on the run sometimes, sometimes we go shopping or we leave town and God will hit me with something, even on the road or something, and I'll put it in my phone. Oh, that's a good point. That's a good verse. Lord, thank you for reminding me of that. But I still need to get time alone with God. Not just to prepare messages, 
To seek God, yes. To have alone time like Jesus did. But also so I can be a decent person when I'm with you. Sometimes we overtax ourselves with being around people. I had this weakness growing up and into my 20s that I would be around people until I was irritated, but then I wouldn't stop being around people. Some of you extroverts understand that. Some of the introverts are going, uh, doesn't compute, right? You're like, I know I need alone time. But I'm going to tell you right now, everybody needs alone time. Jesus modeled it for us. Makes you a better person. Makes you. And hey, sometimes being alone is tough, especially if you're going through something. I know that. I know that. During this season, man, me and my family, I'm sure for some of us, man, I know. You're like, man, I don't want to be alone right now. Yesterday I was thinking it was, it was mom's birthday today, and man, I, I had some moments that were tough, but they passed. But I said, man, here I am alone seeking God. This is tough. I looked at mom's Facebook. We've memorialized it, and I said, man, I'd never read her. I, I'm not on Facebook much, as you know, but I was looking at some of her posts. But I knew even at that time it was good that I was alone for a little while. Not just because I was preparing a message for you from the heart of God, but because I needed to be alone with God. And it's not always easy. Some of us say, man, but I, I don't want to be alone right now. I understand that. But God is saying, I feel like God is speaking to you by His Spirit this morning. He is saying, this is a powerful word. He's spoken this word to me for months. And then we saw a video with Dad recently. And I feel like this is a word that God is speaking to us. And we'll see where this goes this fall or where it goes in the future. But it is one word, and God is saying, return. Return. Return to me. He's saying, return to me. Return to time alone with me. Return to church like, you are, you're, like you're doing today. Here you are at church. Return, return to the things of God. Return to the old ways, the old ways which are His Scripture, His Word. Seeking Him. Return. And many times you cannot return to God the way you should without being alone. I've had to learn that. I had years where I didn't want to be alone, and I understand that. Remember, once again, once again it helps you reset. It helps you decompress, get your thoughts together, pray without distraction. It's not healthy to be around people constantly. You should be around people. You were created to be gregarious. Somebody say gregarious. Yeah, you were created to be around people. We like people. We love people. Whether you're introvert or extrovert, you have people you love. But at times we need time alone. Let's go to Luke 5.16. Luke 5.16. Look at this verse. Just one simple verse. Just pulling it right out of that chapter there. Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for what? For prayer. What's in the wilderness? What did you say? <laughs> we had the privilege of going to Israel, and it, some of it's reminiscent of the Hobbs area, except there's a lot more mountains and hills. But out there, Dad, and you're going to see it too, and you've seen pictures and documentaries of it, there's a whole lot of nothing out in some of the wilderness where Jesus went to pray. Nothing. Nothing. If it's, I mean, if it's not you and a lizard or you and a snake or you and a dust storm and the sun and maybe a little shade, if God's been gracious to you, it's just you and God out in the wilderness. And Jesus would do that. He would withdraw to the wilderness to meditate and to pray, be alone. What a good example. We need that in our lives. We need that in our lives, all right? So point one is alone time. Jesus taught that, and that's a boundary. Alone time is a boundary. There's times when I come to seek God at the church or I'm seeking God during the week, I have to put my phone on silent and put it away. Why? Because the temptation is to keep looking at your phone and I don't know what we're waiting for. A call from the president, maybe. I don't know. Oh, an emergency, though. 
There, there could be an emergency, man. Everybody's going to be okay for an hour or two. Put that phone away. Okay, get some alone time with God. God's calling us back, and he's saying return. Return. Look at this, point two today. Jesus had a boundary of perfect truth. Jesus did not flirt with lies. He didn't insinuate things that were not true. Jesus did not play around with lies. Jesus didn't waste time with lies. He was a direct and straight shooter. Scripture says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The way, the truth, and the life. He's the Word of God. All right? And it's powerful because it's crazy how God has kept His Word to us. And you read in John chapter 1 how God has kept His Word. The Word is Jesus. And Jesus keeps His Word to us. The Word is always accurate. God will never lie to you. He will always keep His Word to you. You may not understand it. You may not, you may not have a, a, a grasp of all the facts, but God is keeping His Word to you today. Some of you have struggled and said, yeah, but when? I wanted it months ago. I know. I understand. I promise. I understand. There's things we're believing for. And man, we wanted it years ago, but we're believing God. He's still faithful. Scripture says, faithful is he that promised. I don't care what happens. I don't care if the world lights on fire or judgment comes or there's natural disasters. God is true. Scripture says, let God be true and every man a liar. Because compared to God, I'm a liar, even if I'm walking in truth, because he is perfect truth. I need Jesus to walk in the right truth. I need Jesus to be able to walk with tr in truth. And you know what? Truth is loving. You don't go comment on someone's weight and hurt their feeling. But I believe that telling someone the truth when the, the right time arrives, it's powerful and it's love. So speak the truth always like Jesus. That's a boundary that he had. Let's go to Matthew 5.37. I mentioned this Wednesday night that Jesus is talking about not, not swearing by God and swearing by anything and just letting your yes be yes and your no be no, but this also deals with truth. This ties in very closely. This is truth here. Just a simple, this is what Jesus said, just a simple yes I will or no I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. I told him on Wednesday night, I knew people back in the day, they would swear and lie. Terrible. I worked with a young lady. She was crazy, man. I almost said her name. God help her. I almost said her name. She, I can just see a picture of her in my mind, it, just as vivid as yesterday. I was, I was 20 years of age, and this girl was crazy. I remember we collected together. We, would collect, we were collectors. We worked for finance, a finance company. And she would get on the phone and go, hey. She was real like, I know how to say it in Spanish. For some reason, I don't know how to say it. She was just almost brutal with her words, just like up front and crazy. And she was like, hey, why didn't you come in yesterday? I'll never forget. I looked over at her, and she was talking to somebody. Why didn't you make it in yesterday? You said you're going to be here. And I couldn't hear their side of it. And she goes, okay, so you're going to be here today, huh? And I was listening, and kind of, I could feel my smile arising from deep within me. I was just watching her. And I'm sure I was scrunching my brows together or raising an eyebrow. And she goes, okay, so you're going to be here today? You swear? You swear? Okay, so you swear you'll be here today. Okay, bye, you know, whatever. So she hung up, and I was like, I don't even know how she, back then we had ledger cards that we would write our documentation down of trying to collect from people. And I don't know, I guess she put promise to pay, but she could have put swore to pay. And I'll never forget, though, that person lied. 
She put them on the spot and they lied, man. So they were in trouble with God, I guess. Oh, man, she made them swear. And she would swear. Oh, I swear. I was telling him on Wednesday night, we had a little dude. And he was in the military, well, pre-military academy. He was in the academy. And that was a lioness little dude. And he swore about everything. He'd say, brother, and he'd raise his hand. He'd say, brother, I swear to God. And I was like, oh, man, I was always like, man, I don't even want to stand near him when he's doing that. Like lightning's going to strike this kid, man. He was just, he'd say, I swear. And he would lie on people and say he swore all the time. Man, we got to take that serious. We got to be careful about the things we say, the things that come out of our mouths. Not just with swearing, but with telling the truth. How many people get hurt, get hurt with lies? How many times were you hurt with lies? How many times were you hurt when someone broke their word to you? So you've got to speak truth. You've got to do your best to keep your word. Sometimes circumstances make that impossible. But be careful and make sure that you keep your word and you work at keeping your word, all right? Speak the truth. And Jesus, somebody say, Jesus is my perfect example. Uh-huh. Jesus is my perfect example. Truth. Truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And he kept his word, so we've got to keep ours. Now, Scripture says in Jeremiah 1.12, we don't have to go there. He says, he watches over his word to perform it. Isn't that powerful? So you imagine watching over your word to perform it. You're like, I've said that, so I'm going to make sure that happens now. And God has always done that. Jesus always did that. He watched over his word to perform it. One other thing today, truth can simplify things. You ever gotten in a situation where you were lying, man, and pretty soon it was the biggest, hairiest, strangest, lionest, dumbest, stupidest story in the world because you were just trying to just cover it up? And you finally bumped into someone who was pretty clever, and they go, what do you mean by that? That doesn't make sense. What do you mean by that? No, that's not right. Where were you? How did it happen? Who are you with? What? You're lying. And you'll, you'll have those in your life. God sends special angels to you to keep you from lying or to make you mad and make you lie more. It's a test and you fail it and you're like, I said, and you get mad and it's fake. But no, it was a lie. And someone was like, ah, that, didn't, that doesn't make any sense what you're saying. I think it's a lie. So make sure you're walking in truth. That's a boundary that Jesus drew. That should be your boundary too. Point three today, a boundary that Jesus taught is no fear. I want to bring up some friends of mine. And I'm so proud of them. Charlie and Connie are here today for the first time in weeks. And um, let's go ahead and give the Lord a clap offering. (laughs) Charlie was under treatment for cancer. And how many weeks was it, y'all? Was it 10 weeks? I knew it was high. And I think of, lately I've been thinking of y'all when I think of no fear. I know y'all fought it. I know y'all been through it, but man, y'all are special and you're powerful. Charlie, you went through it, but your wife was right with you. He's a Marine, so I didn't expect any less from him, but still, got his wife right with him, and we were able to see him in Lubbock one day, and and. This church has been a blessing to them, I know, but I just want to say, you guys, y'all have been a blessing to us just as much as we've been able to be a blessing to y'all. We love y'all. We love y'all. Praise God. And so, Charlie, the treatment is over. The treatment's over. 
and we're believing God for miracles. And I think when I think of y'all, I think of no fear. So welcome back. And you know what? These two crazy, amazing friends of ours, in the midst of treatment, in the mid- check this out. This is no a life of no fear. In the midst of treatment, they found a way to come to mom's funeral and sat right over there. It just touched my heart. And then in the midst of all this, his dad, who was in his 80s, passed away. So these people are courageous. They've been through it. You be praying for them. We love them, and we're so excited to have them back. And I just say to you this morning, that, that boundary that Jesus drew, I believe they're examples of that, and that is no fear. No fear. Like, just keep pressing on. And I believe no fear doesn't always mean just no fear. It means pushing on and pressing in despite the fear that you feel. Jesus never said, thou shalt not fear, like in this way, thou shalt just never feel any fear. I believe Scripture teaches, press on in the midst of fear. Because that man told Jesus, he said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. You know, there's parts of you that fear sometimes, and you press on. I like what Joyce Meyer has said. She said, do it afraid if you have to. Joyce Meyer says, do it afraid, and I've done it. There's been some things in my life, even lately, God's dealing with me about, and God's just speaking to me, and I'm going, just got to do it. Just got to deal with it, got to press on, got to do it, got to move forward. Don't get stuck, no fear. Look at Jesus. He walked on water. He confronted powerful religious leaders. He spoke boldly to Pilate. The day he was crucified, he answered Pilate. He stood before King Herod, and Jesus was so full of faith with no fear, He didn't even feel Herod worthy to answer him. King Herod saying, do a miracle, do a miracle. They were acting like a bunch of fools. And scripture says Jesus never even answered him. Talk about a, can you imagine a boundary? I'm not even going to talk to you. (laughs) He cast out demons. He walked on water. I already mentioned that. He raised the dead. Hmm. And loving truth and living truth, just like Jesus, it allows us to speak boldly like him and live boldly. I will not fear. Somebody say that with me. I will not fear. Say it again. Say, I will not fear. Say it one more time. Say, I will not fear. Next series, we're going we're gonna to hit into that. We're going to hit on that a lot. We're going to talk about faith like crazy and combating fear in August. And it's entitled, my series is going to be Faith, the Enemy of Fear. That's for next month. I feel like we need it. I feel like I need it. I feel like we all need to hear that. But Jesus had boundaries of no fear. That's a line, a boundary. And he never crossed it, and he never allowed the enemy to cross it. Let's go to point four this morning. This ties into talking about the enemy here. Resist the enemy. Sometimes you get thoughts that are not yours. Sometimes your mind is just unrenewed, and you're struggling with thoughts anyway. But sometimes you get thoughts that are completely foreign to your mind. That was not your thought. I've had that numerous times. That's the enemy trying to put thoughts in your head. I don't believe that the devil can read your mind, but I think he can put thoughts in your mind. Okay? And that's, that's where the battle is, is in your mind, in your head, between your two ears, right? That's where the battle is. That's where crazy stuff shows up. That's where stuff says, well, I'm not loved, or that I don't think they'd, they'd love me anymore. Were they ignoring me? Or I feel rejected. It all starts up here. Or, man, I, don't think, I think the pastor thinks bad about me. Or, man, I think they, I'm not loved by this person. Or I think they're lying about me. Or I'm going to believe a lie about that person. It all starts up here. And Jesus knew all about that, and he resisted the enemy. You remember the 40 days 
in the wilderness. Right before he launched his ministry, he went out there. And Scripture says the Lord led him into the wilderness. He was led into the wilderness. And he battled the enemy. And the enemy was putting thoughts in his head by talking to him. He was tempting him. All temptation starts here, doesn't it? All temptation starts right here. And Jesus was a master of resisting the enemy. At one point, the apostle Peter, he had just said, man, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus went on talking and said, I've got to go, I've got to die. And then Peter thought he was the man, right, for a minute, because he had spoken in faith. And he got a gold star, right? And then he said, no, you're not going to go die. He started telling Jesus. But that was a temptation to Jesus that Peter didn't know about, and the enemy was speaking through Peter to Jesus. Because Jesus was in human form. You think he wanted to die? He just really wanted to die? No, he struggled with it. We find that out later because he said in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Lord, if the, Father, if, the, if it's possible that this cup would pass from me, if there's another way, let's do it. If there's another way. But there was no other way. It had to be the perfect sacrificial lamb. And Jesus was tempted through Peter. And look at what he told Peter. Can you imagine resisting the enemy this way? He looks at Peter and goes, get behind me, Satan. You should try that out on the streets. If God has delivered you from drugs and God has delivered you from perversion or something and someone tries to tempt you or God's delivered you from whatever it is, you look at them and you, and you go, get thee behind me, Satan. Can you imagine? That would shock people. Or look them in the eye and go, I rebuke you, devil. <laughs> Be careful who you say that to. They may do something crazy, man. The devil may, rah, rah. You know, you have to cast the devil out. I don't know, rah, rah. Resist the enemy. Let's go to Luke 4.33. Luke 4.33. Look at this. Look at Jesus' power to resist. Look at his boundary that he drew. This is all based on faith and love. Look at the power of Jesus. Once when he was in the synagogue, a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit, began shouting at Jesus. Look, all out of order, trying to distract. Go away. Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of, uh, Holy One of God. Well, good for you, demon. But Jesus basically told him to shut up. So I told him Wednesday night. He drew a line with demons. He didn't allow demons to have their way with him or when he's, he's ministering to distract or to draw the attention and steal the show. He said, be quiet. Basically, shut up. Come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the demon threw the man to the floor as the crowd watched, and it came out of him without hurting him further. He drew a line. He drew a line. At some point, you need to get to, the place, to a place with the enemy where you say, that's enough. Enough is enough. You need to get to a place where you say that, where you say, I'm not going to live this way anymore. I'm not going to allow this anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to say this anymore. I'm not going to be this way anymore. Enough is enough. Somebody say enough is enough. That's right. I know some of you in here today at the sound of my voice are going, you know what, Pastor Matt? That's for me. That area of weakness in my life, that area, I need to draw a boundary there. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. How many of you can say, this is a rhetorical question. You don't have to raise your hand. Oh, you can raise it if you want. I don't care. How many of you can say this morning, I'm sick of it about something? Go ahead, raise your hand. I'm sick of it. I'm sick. Like, I remember the comedian said, his mom used to say it so much, I'm sick. Sometimes he'd go, and tired. He said, man, that got me a spanking. Because <laughs> he always knew when she said she was sick, she was tired too. But we're sick and tired 
of living that way or seeing that happen in your family or having the enemy do that to your body or having the enemy do that to people you love or to your neighbor or people are just acting out of line and you need to draw a boundary and resist the enemy and say, enough is enough. I said, stop. One man of God said, I was reading his book recently, he said one of the most important decisions in your life is to stop. And I believe not only stopping yourself, putting the brakes on something you were going to do, but sometimes it is putting a stop to others. You say, that's enough. You're not going to drink in my house. You're not going to cuss in my house. I walked out of church yesterday. I was here preparing, and I was going to the other building. And I walked out, and there's a guy sitting with a lady here on, on our bench. And he was screaming and cussing, and he said the F word. I would have walked by and let him sit out there. I mean, it's a little park here. They're not hurting anything. And I turned around and went over there. I said, hey, you're going to have to get out of here right now with language like that on this property. He was so shocked he didn't know what to do. And he was holding a weapon of some kind, a big metal thing. with the. It was crazy looking. I was like, man, is that Conan the Barbarian? I didn't know. He-Man. He had a weapon. But he jumped up so quick. Man, I felt God's authority. But at the same time, I felt God's compassion. And I said, what's going on? And this guy started telling me the story of what was going on with him and this lady. And it about broke my heart. And I said, I'm sorry I was tough on you, but you can't be cussing on the property. I don't want y'all wandering out in the heat. You can sit here under this tree. Let me pray for y'all. Of course, they said they were going to be here this morning. I don't see them. <laughs> Are you here? No, I don't see y'all. You didn't, you didn't make it. Okay. But they had a tough situation. And I had a boundary. It's not okay to do that. It's not okay to do that on God's property. It's not okay to do that in my house. Honestly, it's not okay to do that in front of me, especially if it keeps slipping. I mean, we're walking by and passing, and I don't know you, but if you're cussing and cursing, I remember Dad said back in the day he was running a store. And I don't know if one of the guys that was one of the distributors was in there, but he kept saying God's name in vain, God's name in vain in front of Dad. And Dad had really gotten lit on fire by the presence of God. I believe it was right before he got married. And dad was really on fire for God. And this guy kept using God's name in vain. And finally, dad said, I, I keep hearing you use God's name in vain. Do you know him? And the guy must have had some church background. He wilted. And he said, oh, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You got to have boundaries or people are going to jump all over you. They're going to tread on God's property in your life. They're going to tread on you. They're going to tread on your family and step all over you. And it's crazy how people are like, they're family. Every time they come in, in town, we can't go to church because they're there. We don't want to miss out on them. You know, you know what my grandpa always did? He said, y'all are family. Y'all are welcome to come over. We're going to church. You should go with us. But if y'all don't go to church, turn off the lights, lock the door when you leave the house. We're going to church. We love y'all. You're family. You're always welcome here. But we're going to church. Make sure you resist the enemy. Make sure you have clear-cut boundaries. Make sure you draw boundaries in life. They're for your protection. They're also for other people's protection. Draw boundaries in life. I want you to listen real carefully this morning.